boys and girls, cats and dogs, sheep, sheep, and more sheep. Uh, you are now tuned into Chunky Glasses, the podcast. I am your host, Kevin, as usual. Uh, our loyal listeners will know we took a week off last week. I had to take a little vacation. I went to the country of Iceland. It's something I recommend you all do. You'll see a fuck ton of waterfalls, uh, even more sheep. There are more sheep than people. Uh, but the people you meet are, are generally uh, some of the coolest people around. And you will see some amazing sights. Uh, you might even blow out a tire while uh, blasting uh, Heart of the Sunrise by Yes full volume while racing away from the largest waterfall in Europe. Uh, but if you can fit that into your life, uh, please go do it. Yeah, we'll, uh, if you know me, there's pictures up on the page on my, on my Facebook there. You can check it out. But uh, yeah, it's, it's highly recommended. Energizing, uh, cause for reflection, uh, just nice and restful and uh, joyful even. So... Uh, i got a pretty good podcast for you this week. Uh, we're going to be reviewing new albums from uh, Titus Andronicus. They have a new one out called The Most Lamentable Tragedy. Uh, also, a sort of surf rock quartet uh, produced by Ty Siegel, uh, known as La Luz. They have a, uh album out. goes by the name of Weirdo Shrine. Uh, before that, though, uh, we get into a little bit of a discussion about uh, the recent NWA movie, Straight Outta Compton. We mind that pretty pretty good in our discussion, I think, and it's actually one of the better discussions we've had on the podcast. Uh, but the very next day, um, Apple came out. If you if you let me, let me backtrack here, um, if you don't know, it, Straight Outta Compton tells the story of the rap group N.W.A., uh, who uh, one of the prominent members is one Dr. Dre, uh, who has a history of uh, beating women. Uh, there's no way to like, you know soften that like that's what he does that's what he's done uh in fact famously he beat a journalist d barnes uh put her in the hospital uh essentially ended her career and laughed about that fact for years uh it, you know eminem sort of called him out in the song and he, he sort of it's reported that he fell out of his chair laughing when he heard that uh this is not a man who changed and this is this is what generally you call being a shitty human um at any rate uh, this movie is supposed to tell the true story of NWA, and like you know, many biopics, uh, they sometimes like sort of smooth over the truth about this. And given that he's a producer, an Ice Cube producer, and you know, we we talk about this, uh, there's no expectation that he would have this in the film. And I guess that's fine. You make your, you know, these are these are your heroes, and you uh, you decide whether or not you want to go see it or not. Uh, but Dre is also sold beats to Apple. It was one of the most profitable companies. In fact, I think the most profitable company in the world, the universe, in perpetuity, whatever you want to say. Um, and Apple, uh, who, you know, is seen as generally, uh, you know, a decent company, I guess. You know, they make products that all you guys love. You might be listening to this on a podcast app on your iPhone or whatnot. Uh, came out and said, uh, you know, Dre basically did a public apology, um, never once naming the victims, actually, that he beat, by the way. But uh, And then Apple sort of said, hey, we stand behind this guy. It's been a pleasure to work with him over the past year and a half. We know he's a changed man. And herein lies the problem, because at this point, uh, it becomes very clear uh, how just how cynical um, this move was. You know, this movie has made a shit ton of money. Uh, it did it by not telling the truth. And now we have one of the biggest companies in the world saying, 
you know what, that's okay. And what they are implicitly saying is, you know what, that's cool if you beat the shit out of somebody and that became part of your story and is, you know, got you there to your character and, and why you're rich now and are working with us. Um, you know, there's no problem with that as long as you say you're sorry. But but the problem I have with that is if it's truly sorry, it would have been in the film. You know, if it's truly sorry and regretful, uh, let everybody know. I don't know, write an autobiography, put it in there and say, yeah, this is how I felt then um, about doing that. And and these are the all the details of it. And then yeah, this is how I feel now. Uh, to me, it is a cop-out. It is uh, a the best example of really, really big bullshit, I think, that I have seen in years. Um, you know, we live in this culture uh, where misogyny and rock and roll, I mean, if you look at the, the Jackie Fox story recently about the runaways, um, you know... The whole thing about you know women in rock and, and all that you know this culture is 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 lousy not just lousy with anything it's just lousy and this is the worst of it you know it's not enough to uh belittle a woman or just another person but in this case you know, a woman it's not enough um to uh not give them their due uh but when you have somebody that goes in and actually physically harms the person uh, I, I don't I'm at a loss for what to do with that so um, we put links in the show notes please educate yourself to this uh, I, 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 this is just a personal thing don't go see this fucking movie um, don't give him any more validation uh, you know it's it's built on the backs of of him beating women essentially I mean that's simplifying it but uh, you know really think about that really think about that if you're okay with your heroes doing that uh, then fine and then I think there is a line where you can separate the art from the uh, the actions and uh, history, and all art forms is, is full of cases such as this. But in this case, uh, you know, make a good choice. You know, uh, Barnes actually followed up uh, with the Gawker uh, article after the apology, and uh, she says, based sums up exactly, I think what I'm trying to say best says. Um, no one wants to see their heroes criticized, and if they're African-American, the community at large becomes suspicious of an underlying motive to tear down a successful black man. Excusing pop culture icons from scrutiny over their history of violence against women because they're elevated hero status is wrong on so many levels. Uh, that's about it, and you know, that's all I want to say about that. That's all we're ever going to say about uh, Dr. Dre uh, in the future, and uh, we're just not going to support this shit. So, uh, wanted to get that out and vent. Feeling a little more uh, verbaceous, loquacious after my vacation here. So, um, yeah, sorry for the bummer up front, but uh, we got a good discussion about it uh, coming up in about two minutes. Uh, so, I guess it's time to kick off the thing. So, here you go. This is episode number 129 of Chunky Glass of the Podcast. Uh, we're talking about the movie Straight Out of Compton and reviewing new albums from Titus Adronicus and La Luz. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man Nearly a two-word review, just a shit sandwich. That right there is a wonderful power.
Back to the basement, everyone. Uh, back from vacation. Uh, Quinn, you are back down here. Hello. I am. Paul. Hello. 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 Mr. Patrick. Hello. Uh, you're winning your bet, sir. I know. By the way. It's <laughs> but I think you will win the war. You think? Yeah. Okay. Okay. The Apple music is... Welcome back to you. Welcome back to the United States. Yeah. 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 It's a nice trip. Uh, the format's going to be changing a little. We're going to be switch over to speaking all Icelandic here in about two minutes. What about Hopelandic? Hopelandic. No, no. Because, well, it's an interesting thing when you get over there is that uh, at least I could find none, uh, no discernible music scene. Uh, there were a lot of jazz uh, Bjork cover projects. I, I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure you would. Um, there were also uh, a lot of very sensitive singer-songwriters, like, mm. have you seen The Color of My Feelings? Uh, but they weren't everywhere. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it was, it was, it's a wonderful place, and uh, I suggest everybody go there. Uh, I can't speak Icelandic, so we're not going to switch over to that. Uh, but uh, what we are going to do is get to some stuff this week that it came out a couple of weeks ago, the Titus Andronicus, uh, La Luz, which is something you turned me on to, Quinn, uh, that you know we've sort of been dragging behind, especially because of the week off. Before that, though, uh, a little news item to kick off our return here. Uh, last week, I think, straight out of Compton. Was that last week? Premier? Yeah, it came out last Friday. And, and you saw it. I did. You saw it. And uh, it's, it is the, uh, the true story of NWA. Uh, as told or produced by, was it Dre and Ice Cube? Yeah, Dre and, Dre and Cube were both producers on it. Um, I'm not going to go into who NWA <laughs> is right now. <laughs> like, if you, you're listening, you know. Well, maybe you don't. I, I don't know. If but, you don't, go listen to them because you should. Yes, you absolutely should. Um, but uh, this being a uh, music biopic, they tend to sanitize stuff a little bit. Uh, in this case, there was actually uh, on Gawker Media, which... Uh, given their recent troubles, I hate to be calling them a, a legitimate outlet here, mm-hmm. but it was actually a rather good article. You guys said it was in the Washington Post today. Uh, D. Barnes was a journalist back in the day, and uh, very infamously, on Janu- January 27th of 1991, at a record release party, uh, Dr. Dre essentially uh, what beat the shit out of her? Yeah. Is that, that, is that a, sufficient? That, that's a fair assessment. Uh, you can read uh, this article. We're definitely going to put a link in there. Um and uh, describes it in detail. And Gawker had she agreed to watch the movie, like at their request, uh, to see uh, if they followed through and like portraying the band as uh, as they actually were. They obviously did not. Uh, Patrick, I know you had some thoughts on this, like whether or not they should. Um, so actually, let's start with that. We're talking music biopics here. Um, you, you know, if you bring up people like uh, famous sort of. Misogynist, a little like Ray Charles. Uh, I'd say Johnny Cash. Uh, there are many others. James Brown. James Brown. Chuck absolutely. Berry. Chuck Berry. Uh, you know, just go down the list. Um, you have. Patty Smythe. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Patty Smythe. Like the Warriors? Just trying to lighten it up a okay. little. Um, you, you have this list. Of these, they make these wildly successful uh, music biopics that are crowd pleasing that mysteriously just like skip over. The actual reality of things, like, do you, how do you think this affects, like, say, their fans or like how we digest this stuff? 
Uh, that's a big question. Yeah. Um, I think my main take on this, and I should say it wasn't a Gawker article that was on the in the Washington Post website. It was like a separate article, but it referred to the same, it was the same argument. Yeah. Basically. Uh, just not a firsthand account. So uh, I think my take to you over email and what I would say is, I think the larger question is like, Every biopic does this. It's mm-hmm. a two, two and a half. This one's two and a half hours, which mm-hmm. is why I didn't go the first weekend because I thought that's too long. Um, but I was excited to see it because I like NWA. But so every biopic, it can't have everything in it. It can't tell the entire truth about anything because it's too short. And it's designed to be a piece of popular entertainment. Mm-hmm. And often the estate of the person who uh, is being portrayed or the actual people themselves in this case two of them are involved in how the movie is shaped. And so I guess what I was trying to get at on email is, is it even, uh, let me backtrack, what happened to assume, to, to the extent it's true between Dr. Dre and this woman is just horrible. And what he's done to other women is deplorable. Yeah. No further discussion necessary. My question is, why would we expect this to be in the movie? I think that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like everyone's like, well, they're whitewashing this and they're whitewashing that. But well, I don't, I don't think I don't think it's about expectation personally because I didn't expect it to be in there. Um, I wouldn't. I didn't actually particularly want to go see the movie. I will say I was entertained by it. It's a it's a fun movie, but you have <laughs> to kind of, you is. have to divorce it from context. Because NWA was a fun band, <laughs> right? But um, so it was better than I thought it would be, but this was one of the reasons why I didn't want to go because I didn't expect this to be in there. And in fact, I didn't expect there to be a whole lot of nuance because usually the bio, when biopics come out, the person's dead mm-hmm. and you know, you do have problems with the estates rights and things like that, but you might mm-hmm. be able to craft a better story when you've got people who are not only still alive, but still like in their prime to a certain degree. I mean, they're these guys are in their 40s right now. Yeah. So Oh, Jesus. Are you serious? God damn. It. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, I, I think so. I think I think Ice Cube's 46. Are you calling are we there yet? Ice Cube's prime. I, what I'm what I'm saying is these guys are still they, they're not like Yeah, I know. This isn't Johnny Cash yeah. like doing the American songbook at the right, end right, like right, trying right. to trying to burnish their legacy. These are people who are, you know, mm-hmm. Dre just sold beats a couple years ago for all the money in the mm-hmm. world. It's a and and so you knew that the, I, at least I expected, and and I was not disappointed in this regard that there would be a even larger than normal amount of hagiography involved right here. Sure. You just have to go in expecting it and know know that's what the story is. At the same time, I think it is very fair because of those exact same circumstances to call them out on some of the bigger mm-hmm. omissions, especially since the movie was a huge success. Right. This is one of the biggest rated R openings. In years, I made sixty million dollars domestic in the in its first weekend. And it you have out- headlines that are weird to me, but they're like, "Does this mean we're going to have more like biopics? Like what? Like where have you been the past ten years?" But right. but it, it yeah, it, it was huge, and it changes like our discussion of things. And so, and and I think that like it shouldn't take away from the good elements of the movie or from you know the very important legacy that NWA has, but it also shouldn't be used as an excuse. Like, especially since the, the you know, a, a let's not forget the other women. Like there was there were Michelle, right. yeah, and there yeah. were there's been a whole string of other of other domestic abuse uh, allegations and evidence against members of, um, against members of the group. Um, but the D Barnes scene was in an early was in an early draft of the script. Yeah, and they, and, and they took it out. and they took it out. 
which curiously enough, um, is the that the res- incident resulted. I, I, I would say because of something somebody did. It's because Dre's apparently an asshole. That's the reason. But uh, external reasons were um, D. Barnes was actually a journalist. She was on a show called Pump It Up, and they did a segment. And this was in 1991 after. Uh, NWA had, had broken up or Ice Cube had left where he, he dissed them on, on air. And that was a big thing. The cameraman in this case was F. Gary Gray for that thing, who is also the director of this film. Right. So he was he's a part of this thing. Right. And he's I mean, he's been working with Ice Cube for years too. He mm-hmm. was he directed Friday, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's Friday, like he directed Friday. They, they, this is all it's all in the family right here. Yeah. So I understand that things have to be cut out from a biopic. I understand that you're always going to be smoothing a narrative, mm-hmm. especially especially when you're dealing with living musicians who are producers on a film. Yeah. Um I do think that you that if you decide to omit something this major that you deserve to be criticized for it and that you should have a better response than just, oh, well, we had to cut some things out. Sorry. Because well, this is not just a thing to cut yeah, out. Yeah, and my, my real question is, like, we talked about the uh, Runaways thing, mm-hmm. and this falls into yeah. that in that category for me. And, you know, you, you talk about like, horrible things happening in the music industry, in the music world and stuff. This is one of them and stuff. But what does that say when... You know, we're making movies and holding up these people as uh, our modern day heroes, our our myths, you know, our uh, our Olympus gods and whatnot. And you know, this is part of their story. It it is, and as gross as this will sound, the way Dr. Dre is informed, like how they made their music. Like you can't divorce that his person from that. So, and part of that is a horrible, horrible thing. So if we omit that, then like, what are we actually saying? Or, or do you think it's like Quinn? Do you think it's condoning it? I mean, I I think the the argument about like it's not just her; it's all these other women. Yeah, it's like how you the they. It's I'm I'm not sure I'm not entirely sure, but I think that's a, let's an take interesting... it to, let's take it to a Cosby level just real briefly. We won't sure. dive into that. Um, you you know, does it what Cosby did invalidate all his art? And does the, this. the argument is: Does the art? Can you separate the art from the artist? Is that basically the argument? So yeah, sort of. But like, if this movie is going, people idolize NWA and Dr. Dre and Ice Cube and all these people, and yet he is like beat all these women, and we're presenting uh, as a culture this thing that says, "Nah, not really," and we're just watching. Well, hold on, let's uh, before we go too far down that road. I want to say first of all that I think Cosby and. This I, I agree. I agree. No, yeah. Especially since there was a legal process with yeah. the with the Barnes and there's, yes. been a, there, there's a resolution. It's still horrible. It still should be addressed, but very different than what Cosby did. The second thing is that we're not talking about a band that didn't sing about this exact sort of thing. Like the yeah, yeah. The lyrics involved were very misogynistic, yeah. even at although the time. Ice Cube denies it. What Ice Cube says he never called a woman a bitch in any of his songs. Okay, well. There's there are matters of interpretation then, but let's just say you can take certain of these lyrics in context and say, well, maybe that's not the most polite thing to say. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, and part of its background, you know, part yeah. of the part of the myth is about, and in the reality is Easy E starting ruthless with you know 
crack dealing money right. um, back in the eighties, and that's that's presented as a as a heroic feat, and then you go and you go a step mm-hmm. further, and it's like the very violence that they that they came out of part of that part of that culture may have bred the violence against women later on. So I don't think you want to go as far as saying it invalidates the art because all of these things are coming from the same place. It does need to be addressed. Yeah. And maybe in a director's cut. Not to be flip. (laughs) (laughs) I somehow don't think that scene got shot. shot, No way. I think that's going where I was going, though, is it does need to be addressed. I couldn't agree more. But Dre and... uh, the doc, Dr. Dre and Ice Cube are the producers on this movie. I mean, he did go to, to medical school, yeah, yeah. so you have to go with the doctor. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I thought he had a PhD. I'm sorry. Uh, so they are the producers on this movie. It's yeah. their story. It's their version of how they want the right. story told to the masses. It's their version of how they see a commercial version of their story being told. This isn't a documentary. Right, right, right. And But arguably they're speaking to – my point is that they're speaking to a mass that, mass that can't necessarily discern – between this and won't look into it and be like, hey, but this guy also did these horrible things. Yeah, but there's a record of what he did. I mean, there are co- there's a yeah. settlement, there are court files, they're probably confidential. Right, but but, but but if people hadn't brought hadn't brought these, I'm not saying she back. shouldn't have brought it up. I'm just saying your argument is it should be in the movie. I'm saying as much as I would like it to be in what? the movie. I don't think you're necessarily right. Actually, I'm not and saying, why do you I'm expect saying, to be in the movie? I'm not I don't saying expect it should it. be in the movie, but I, but I think that people should like. Be aware that what they're watching is not an accurate, right. in any way. But that's history. true of every well, well, hold on, hold on. single movie. Yeah. But this is, but but it's not about whether it should be in the movie. Nobody's passing a law to make these things to make you know a fully accurate representation of somebody's life be yeah. necessary in a biopic. It's that if you if you omit it. Then there will then there will be consequences, and this is one of the consequences. So that's what it is. It's not whether it has to be in a movie; it's whether it has to be addressed, and whether it should be brought up, and whether it should be a big deal. And I think a lot of folks are trying to say, "Well, it's not that big a deal at this point." And I think it's good that the media is making it a big deal. Yeah, right because now. it is. So where are you on Selma? Where am I on Selma? A much more important mm-hmm. hero story. I, I, the exact same thing. I think that it's it's a. It's a good movie. It obviously took the liberties it needed to take. It brought some important information out there, but that it's fully fair game for people to say this was inaccurate or this glossed over certain elements of it. Selma also focused itself on a very narrow moment in time. It was not supposed to be a Martin Luther King Jr. biopic. It was supposed to examine one specific incident and its import right there. The, and the, The NWA pick, Straight Outta Compton, covered not just from 1986 through the dissolution of the group, but had postscripts about Dre selling beats, about the (laughs) movies that Ice Cube's made since then. Like, this was a full legacy movie right there. And when your scope encompasses the full legacy, Mm. then everything's fair game. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to say that it's an apples to apples comparison. I'm saying... And I'm not saying that this shouldn't be brought up and you shouldn't criticize it because I think you should. But I, I guess what I'm trying to get at is at some point with every single movie that's based on historical fact to some degree, there are going to be inaccuracies. There are going to be an to pick. Some things will be mm-hmm. left out. Some things will be misportrayed. I mean, but, but when something is left out, the fact that the, the person is, is a, a woman beater, a misogynist, to extreme, like, confirmed uh, in public record, like... That I, I, I do I do get what you're saying. These are wildly inaccurate and stuff. 
Um, and but something like this, I think, and it it's, it's it feels a little different, at least to me. I'm not condoning it. Yeah. I'm just saying it's a brief. It's his story. It's his version of the facts of, so how, take he it wanted the, of how he wanted the facts told. Rather than address an actual fact, he simply omitted it. If his, if the death nail of his brief or the movie is that he omitted it, then he omitted it. But there, and there has to be a counter argument. There needs to be a documentary about this. Uh, I can't remember her name. D Barnes. D Barnes. She needs to have, and she's getting a platform to tell her story. Yeah. And that is okay with me as long as there's a push and pull. I just don't. I guess what I'm getting at is, I to this. I'm, nothing that's been said to this moment convinces me that we should have expected it to be in the movie or that it necessarily... I, I don't think anybody here has said that they expected it to be in the movie. Right, right. so but by attacking... Counselor, the, you're not making the right <laughs> argument. By attacking the movie... <laughs> I left the note cards upstairs. By attacking the movie for saying it's not in there, you're ignoring... Who made the movie? No, I no, said no, no, no. I said right up front that I knew exactly what We're, was going to be coming in the movie because of who made the movie. But you can still criticize the content, and, and we do have to get on to so, some. some oh, yeah. Go ahead. I was real quick. So, like this movie, it's, hearing all the media attention, which we've all agreed is a good thing. That yeah, this is being they're being called out for this. That makes me very. I'm like not going to see the movie now. Well, that's my point. So, so I'm I'm like not going to see it because I know it supports Doctor Dre. Not that not that like me paying not paying eight bucks is going to like really be a whole one fucking dr trey aside but like i'm this if it's if all this media attention which we agree is good dissuades people from seeing the movie is that also good or do you think that people should see this movie i i think i mean here in america um, i think it'll just be like there'll be outrage about it was left out of the thing instead of outrage at the actual uh physical abuse right um so if it steers it towards the outrage for the physical abuse that that is a good thing whether or not it if people don't see the movie i i i honestly think that this shouldn't i don't think this should dissuade people from seeing the movie no? especially since i think that there are elements of it that are important especially for younger people to recognize in context like you have to always take it you always have to take all of the facts into consideration yeah. but like i talked to people who saw the movie who weren't really aware of like the extent of the uh, Rodney King riots in LA and we're like wow I don't remember yeah. things being that bad and I'm like yes it's a movie so it's it's dramatized but I'm like I remember being in front of the TV and being like hey that's a couple hours up the road what the hell is going on you know but I but other folks had different experiences with that time and I think seeing seeing the context but, but knowing who put the context out there is very important and it's important with any piece of art yeah so you read the articles, you watch the movie, you go read something real. You and honestly, this is, why we're, this is why we're talking about it. So yeah. if somebody finds this podcast, which, by the way, we've been getting some uh, numbers. So 960 yeah. downloads in 90 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're sorry we wasted your time. But, uh, you know, <laughs> out of those people that downloaded all that, if, you know, if they didn't know this and this somehow prompts them to, like, look, in, look deeper into it, they saw that, they're like, wow, these guys are superheroes. They look into it and say, like, oh, maybe not. Yeah. Then uh, that's good, and that's, I think that's sort of what we're here for. Maybe, um, Kevin, would you call yourself a thought leader? <laughs> <laughs> the question is, would you? Taker. And I, I think, don't. I think, think we're about to find out. Thoughts. So, so you know, there's going to be links to that in the show notes. Uh, now, I think it's time we talk about some. Uh, I'm putting rock and roll in air quotes. <laughs> uh, we got the new album from uh, Titus Andronicus, the most lamentable tragedy.
right, that was uh, Dined Out off uh, Titus Andronicus' fourth album, The Most Lamentable Tragedy. Titus Andronicus got to start back in 2005 in Glen Rock, New Jersey. They're a punk indie rock band, with Paul, you have celebrated from time to time. In fact, we saw a show. Indeed, we did. And uh, way back at the Black Cat. And uh, that's when Amy Klein was in the band. That was the old, yes. the monitor days, the good old days. It was. They have toured with the likes of So So Glows, Lucero, Ted Leo. Uh, and as you mentioned, the monitor in 2010, it was their second album. It's a concept album that sort of used uh, Civil War themes to relate to uh, Patrick Stickles, as we're going to get into. Like, everything mm-hmm. seems to relate to Patrick Stickles. Mm-hmm. Um, and right uh, what you know, man. Huh? Right what you know. Right, I guess so. <laughs> um, and uh, that was uh, a big hit, to say the least. I think that was, uh, I know you wouldn't shut up about it. Yep, that's true. <laughs> yeah. It's really, really good. I mean, that's, that's it. That, that, the fact that the album is so good ties into like their current album a lot. So this side of the room is on that side of things, and uh, I, I didn't quite enjoy the monitor as much as everybody else. But I also didn't enjoy Japan Droids, oh. so you know you can make what you will of that. Double high five! Yeah, yeah. Um, they put out local business in 2012, which was more of a I don't know, like a what you call it, pop? It's weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, power. Punk, power, power pop. Punk, it was less about stuff. energy and more about songwriting. I yeah, feel like. and, it, it, and therefore not as interesting. Wasn't well received. I didn't like it. I don't. Paul is a fan. You didn't like it. I thought it. it actually was pretty well received. The, I the, was it? Critics liked it. I didn't like it. I, did, I thought it was a major departure from their first two albums and not in a good way. Yeah, I agree. So between now and then, uh, you know, Stickles, Patrick Stickles is the front guy, the main songwriter and stuff. Uh, he's been on uh, W2DF, you know, with Mark Marin. He's doing all the rounds. Uh, he is sort that of. That was a while ago that he was on WTF. It was like last a, year. Year he, two ago, he did a yeah. podcast this week with Craig Finn on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, another thing we'll get into actually because there's some similarities between them and the old steady now. I think, uh, yeah, and he has turned into sort of this um, for some at least a, a punk rock icon. Uh, their newest album is a five act, ninety three minute, twenty nine song uh, rock opera that uh, Stickle said it's a complicated metaphor about manic depression. Melding elements of philosophy of psychology and science fiction through the plight of one troubled pr- protagonist's inner demons. Um, in fact, uh, one of the songs we're going to play is what sort of sums up the album is like losing one's mind. Um, I guess we'll start with Paul here. Uh, since you were a big fan of The Monitor, mm-hmm. uh, what, 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 how, how, how are you seeing – what's going on with Titus Andronicus these days? Well, I think the Stickles um, – this is going to be the most obvious thing to say in the world – the guy, he's trying to do everything when yeah. he's out there, and he he weaves in all of these um, obscure and not so obscure literary references. I think that he's a pretty good writer, but he I think he thinks he's much better than he actually is sometimes. So he's <laughs> trying to do he's trying to do a ton right here, and I appreciate the ambition. I'll always take somebody who's gonna aim high and maybe not quite reach uh, their goals over somebody who just tries to do the easy thing and coasts along. Mm -hmm. Um, I think this album is kind of a mess. Like, there are parts of it that I like. Unfortunately, the parts that I like are, like, the ones that seem like continuations off of previous albums. I think it's big that they bring in, like, the No Future sequence again. But, and that that draws a through line to everything but local business where they didn't have the No Future songs on it, which says something about 
local business. Local business. But, yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> and I think this is better than local business. Um, but the problem is that like there'll be a song that I like and then two that I don't really like. Uh, and then an interlude that doesn't really seem like it needs to be there, and then another mm. song that I like pops up through there. So there are bits and pieces of this that I enjoy, but I can't get into a groove with it as an album, which mm. partially might, and I want to take about, I'm not going to take up all the time here, but I partially think that might be structural because he's yeah. trying to make an album about manic depression and an album about losing one's mind and coming back and forth. And I think the sequencing oh. is entirely. Uh, intentional and that the mm -hmm. disoriented jarring effect of the album is entirely intentional I just don't know that it works well I, I think what you said uh, about it being a mess uh, is, is sort of right I like I said before I am not a fan of the monitor I'm not a great fan of this band I think in fact uh, one of the most overrated overrated songwriters uh, in indie rock period <laughs> um, you know he 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 espouses the myth about himself. I mean, we we're just talking about myths and stuff, but espouses the myth of himself and all these people buy into it. And I don't see it. Um, but uh, I actually do like songs on this album a mm -hmm. lot more than I like The Monitor. But there's so much stuff, so much unnecessary stuff that you have to get through to get to those songs. It becomes almost like not worth it. And it makes me wonder like how committed he was to this actual concept. Or if he just like got high and was like, hey man, <laughs> 93 minutes, let's do this, and was committed to that. Much like Suffy and Stevens, like he's like, I'm going to do the States albums, and then quickly realized, oh fuck, I'm not going to do that. Um, and so it plays uh, very much like, uh, this is going to sound like Jared or, or you, Patrick, like a thing that might have been a good EP. <laughs> or <laughs> you like know? three different EPs. Or three different EPs. <laughs> I mean... But, you know, to the point about, like, how people um, are viewing this, I mean, when this came out, like, everybody said, uh, you know, oh, this is genius, this is revolutionary, this is blah, blah, blah. It's their first big record for Merge. So a lot of that is, like, who Merge is putting uh, him in front of now to talk to. Um, but, like, you, when you have a quote, like, uh, this album feels like the Titus Andronicus record par excellence, it pushes and shoves the boundaries of what such a record could or should conceivably sound like. I mean, that's bad music writing, but also it's like that. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what that's what people are saying about it. I mean, the Fork said a twenty-nine track, ninety-three minute rock opera that immediately restored their claims to outsized ambition as only a twenty-nine minute, ninety-three minute rock opera might, which is just saying they made a long record. Have you read the Tiny Mixtapes review? I just quoted it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I was going to say, I want to get a video of you reading the tiny mixtapes. Oh, you out oh, really? I would like to get that and put that in the show notes. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it, it, it's it's hard because uh, I actually enjoyed that show, but I enjoyed the show we saw him at mainly because of Amy Klein, who quickly left the group. And then yeah. you went through all sorts of uh, uh, things like, you know, Patrick Stickles lives out his issues, I think, in front of people. Mm -hmm. Totally. And... Um, I don't engage with that. I don't know. Maybe, Quinn, maybe you do. Maybe it's a generational thing. Ah. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm not saying that in a bad way. No, no. I, I, I mean, it is. I mean, The Monitor came out in like 2010, mm -hmm. and five years ago, and was one of the albums that got me into like punk rock for sure, which is weird. I'm probably, maybe for people to hear that The Monitor got you into punk rock, but it totally did. Uh, opened a lot of doors, um, especially because Stickle sees himself. He like would love. He wants to. He aspires to be 
the ne- he aspires his band to be the next replacements. This is how. Oh, he- no, actually, the Pogues. Father, to Pogues. the point that he actually covers a Pogues song. Yeah, yeah. Pogues yeah. too. But like he, That's he's got this like Jersey thing. So he has a Springsteen thing. There's a reference. There's a few Springsteen mystery man uh, references. You know, throughout his career. Mm-hmm. But like he, he sees himself as like this great, like punk rock version of Springsteen meets the replacements. And like he, like Patrick Stiglitz, he wants to like play in the arenas. Yeah, he. That's what he wants to do, and he like believes that his ego, his ego is big enough to for him to believe that that might just happen to him. So yeah, but that's my that's that's my thing. Is like he's convincing people that like he has this, and that's that's right. admirable. I mean, like you said, Paul, the ambition here is off the charts, and I honestly am. If somebody is going to shoot that high, I don't know why you would do this, but. He did, and so like that in itself is wildly entertaining to me. But that's not going to make me listen to your record. It's going to no. make me like laugh and like whoa. Oh, it's going to make me listen to your record. I just might not listen to it a bunch of times, yeah. Yeah. but it's at least a shot. But I don't know. To me, at least, uh, if he wants to play the arenas, there are some things on here that show which way he could go there. But you can't keep going back and forth between like pseudo DIY slop and then going to your anthems and then cutting back. Right. Uh When he gets like classic rock style anthemic on this, that's some of the better stuff on the album. I think. And that, yeah. And I mean, we we talk about mystery man, you know, that's a straight Springsteen rip. Right. And it's a good Springsteen rip. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, but yeah, I mean, yeah. The thing with that, he, he does the, he, he wants to be those those bands like mm-hmm. Springsteen, but he takes an opposite approach. Where Springsteen was like, "I'm like a working man. I'm gonna like make rock and roll." That was that's his whole thing. Whereas like Stickles from the beginning has been a pretentious asshole. Yeah. Like like I'm not I, I'm not saying that Marx's art. Like their first album, the last song was a nine minute song called called Albert Camus. Yeah. Like like which is yeah they, like. <laughs> Uh, minus well, you, minus well like I've read Infinite Jest of you, right? Exactly. Like he, it's like a pseudo intellectualization of punk rock, um, which is why they have sold so many records because that is so fucking prevalent in our like music culture. Mm-hmm. People want people want they like they want the TLDR of like every piece of philosophy ever. Yeah, but that's it. <laughs> Seriously, that's a great way to put it. So and so Stickles is doing that in all in these songs. Right, right. Um, <laughs> oh man! And Patrick just dropped a giant. What Copy is that the thing? Like it's got pages in it. Yes, that's. Here. Oh wait, we should explain. <laughs> we, we should explain what a yeah, book yeah. is to our read yeah. listeners. This is a doorstop. So with the uh, reference to David Foster Wallace's Infinite Jest, which I have read, yeah. asshole. And I love, and I saw the movie recently. I pulled out the Pale King, but the only copy at the library they had near me was the oversized okay. uh, old people copy. So that's what sure. I have. Sorry, keep, keep telling going. yourself. You keep telling yourself that. Um, <laughs> just kidding. Um, no, but seriously, that's like what this is. It it is. It's like this weird mix of Stiggles, like kind of not knowing what he, he is, and I think being definitely like you said, a good writer. Definitely, he definitely thinks he's better than he is. But he. Um, he was like the he's like the guy in college who like you never get to know too well and like he keeps it that way because he wants to have this air mystique yet he's like he like goes to the punk shows but he gets straight A's like it's like he's that's who right. he is and he also is like is a manic depressive mm-hmm. like has these issues but I think I I did this album I don't know if like the I don't know if the concept of this album comes out of that it does come out of that like pseudo intellectual whatever mm-hmm. thing and it just goes over my head completely 
I, I don't really I can't really grasp onto the themes of this album that well besides the kind of depressive shit let's um let's hear a song we're gonna come back Patrick's gonna read us a chapter out of this fine well I will read it there's a hilarious and, uh, chapter and we're gonna get Patrick's take on this uh, this is a uh, uh, one of two songs named I Lost My Mind on the album. This one is not a cover of Daniel, Daniel Johnson, but uh, this is I Lost My Mind off of Titus Adronicus' most lamentable tragedy. I don't mind, no, it feels just fine. No, it feels just fine when I lose my mind. And it looks so nice when it's flying right by. Now, I don't mind when I lose my mind. My So, so uh, we've heard uh, me, Paul, and Quinn's take on this. Patrick, what do you feel? All right. Well, apologies to my good friend Dan Eisenberg, who's a huge Titus fan, if he ever listens to this, which I'm sure he will. And he likes this album. And he liked the monitor on a level that I would say Paul did. And actually, I think you guys have similar tastes. Big hold steady guy. Um, I saw the old iteration of the band with a female bass player. I can't remember. Amy Klein. Amy Klein, who was great. I saw them open for Ockerville at the 9.30, and it was a terrific show. It was around the time of the monitor. I am with Kevin on the monitor. I kind of like it, but I don't love it. I think it's kind of overrated. Oh, no, no, no. Let me clear. I, I hate that. You I hate it? it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm all right with he, some of it. No, you like it. I really like it. it. Yeah. I think it's great. So that's the background. I, I've listened to this three or four times all the way through. I still don't have my head around it. I don't... Uh, I, I'll tell you a couple things that are thoughts and I don't really have a strong opinion other than I don't think it's good overall. <laughs> <laughs> one is, 
I don't think, or I don't think we it's are hitting great. them tonight. Yeah. <laughs> so, so one is some of the attempts to sound like Springsteen. There's a couple songs in here that just sound like crappy '80s rock. Like, there's a couple tracks where I just went, "What are they doing? Uh-huh. Why does this sound like bad '80s rock?" Yeah, like Springsteen rock. Tunnel of Love. Well, but shit. I'm okay whoa, whoa, with Springsteen. Whoa, bro. <laughs> yeah, wait, hang on. Whoa, son. whoa. I'm okay with Springsteen. <laughs> no, 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 tunnel no, no. Love. <laughs> we cannot talk shit about Tunnel of Love in this basement, sir. <laughs> All, right. All right, we clear, we good. We're clear. I, I, you know what? I didn't mention <laughs> uh, this. No card. We've been playing uh, uh, Exploding Kittens. We finally got a thing played in Iceland, and we're trying to get some marketing synergy going here, so they'll fund the podcast. So I'm playing a nope card on your ass. <laughs> so there you go. All right, all right, all right. I'll uh, I'll gladly accept the uh, also, the red card. Also, the songs I like are often ruined in the last thirty seconds with the weird. I'm announcing the transition to the next song part of the mm-hmm. end of the song, which kind of just pissed me off because I, I get what he's trying to do, but it's song is a song, and then. I think my other complaint about this is like I really like his lyrics, even on the monitor, Kevin. Sorry, no offense. Yeah. Uh, some of the vocals are so just overpowered by the instruments on this album, I can't understand what the hell he's saying. And the songs that I ended up liking the most are either anthemic guitars, because why not, or the songs where I can understand the lyrics. And so about like 30% of it I like, about 30% of it I'm sort of intrigued by and still trying to figure out, and then there's 30 to 40% where I just went, yeah. eh, I'm kind of out of patience the, with this. The lyrics are not good. Yeah. I. It's, some of the lyrics are kind yeah. of interesting, but some of them are bad. When you compare, it's like... Well, it, the lyrics are like Quadrophenia weren't good. I mean, what... <laughs> okay, yes. Is that what he's going for? That's what he's going for, but yeah. he, first of all, has made his name as being this, like lyricist who like melts melds his like personal existential struggle with uh with like these great american themes whatever but he doesn't do that here he just he i think he does try and totally fails um lyrically i mm-hmm. i do like some of these songs i don't particularly particularly like the album yeah so it's i mean that's about it yeah. pylon i love the ambition but i think it, it has to be, whatever, superego has to be checked by it or vice versa. I don't know that Freud stuff anymore. I'm too old. But the point is, like, what Maybe I feel it, like. I think that the superego checks the id. That, yes. Thank you. Yeah. So, but there has to be a point. Superego checks the ego. Ego checks the id. Like, checks like checks anybody who lives without an editor is not going to make something great. And I feel like kind of what happened here is he just didn't have an editor. And, and I think, well, I think that may be the point of, of Patrick Stickles, like, as a songwriter in right, general. Right, right. Um, you know, to to get in, you brought up the hold steady and, and stuff. There's a lot of like that song we just played. Honestly, that could be on a hold steady album. Uh, and he just did an interview with Craig Finn uh, on Grantland and stuff. And you know, if he's swinging for that, but as we saw with the hold steady, there was a great decline in their latter years. So much so that they are in uh, are they in hiatus or did they break up? I don't think they are officially broken up. But they're they're definitely not. They're not touring right now, so and they're not recording an album, as far as I know. So. Right. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, I, I'll go back to like a series of EPs. Like, don't you know? Your point about it being disorienting and and all that, uh, you know, sort of ham-fisted. I think you know, not juvenile, but definitely. Uh, uh, a younger way of expressing stuff and like disorienting you and be like, these are the effects of manic depression and whatnot. Uh, you know, again, that's, that's an ambition that like you either hit it or you don't. 
I, I don't know many writers who have doing that. I mean, that's a trick that you're like, you're a kid and like, this would be cool. You know, but Patrick Stickles is 30. Mm. Uh, you know, I don't know. We got anything else to say about this? Nope. No. Nope. All right. So, Quinn, what are you going to do? I'm going to stream it because it'll take up too much space on my hard drive. <laughs> um, but, I'm putting uh, that whole thing in it. <laughs> but I, I do. I am fascinated by Patrick Stakels. I think he is a re- he is a result and victim of uh, like late 2000, like late aughts, whatever how you want to say it, like indie culture, mm-hmm. um, which is funny to me. Though, like, it's, I think it's funny because I was so into him at that time. But is that is that it? It's like we're watching the train wreck. I like <sighs> and, and like and like not. I'm not going to use the M word. But like younger kids are literally watching the train look like what this dude is just like falling apart in front of us and it's making mildly entertaining music. I mean the show is a fucking rock show. I, I mean I will yeah, give it I that. Think they they can con- I think they, they, can, they can totally play. I think we I don't think we're watching I think I mean if we're watching the train wreck, I kinda wanna rather watch the train wreck than watch like what Beach House is doing and like just, <laughs> well, just we like, are to that podcast. And just like and just like <laughs> and just like like fade into the ether of like like it, like 2011, yeah. uh, you know. So I, we might be watching the train wreck. We might just be watching. I think that the how all the like accolations of the monitor got, it was kind of. Uh, I can't say it. Never mind. But he, I was gonna be like, I was gonna be like, I was gonna, you're gonna hate me. I was gonna be like, it's like David Foster Wallace after writing it from the jest, where you can't follow up with it. You can't like that's. I, <laughs> he pulls out the pale king again. Yeah. But like you, you, I think it was this album where it the expectations for the next album were so high that it you, unfairly cast the rest. It, I hope it doesn't unfairly cast the rest of his career by the very much. But honestly, it's fine. I think if an artist has just one thing in them, like if it's brilliant, like I disagree with you guys taking the monitor but that like what do i know i'm gonna listen to boston and like whatever <laughs> you know later um yeah, but you, say, but you say that as a consumer when you do that at 25 yeah. and then and you go well that was the thing i was gonna do with my life i'm done now guys right like, right right <laughs> well no 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 no, no. well no but the, um, but what i mean by that is that yes and this, and honestly, this is why music is hard because some people only have one album in them. Some people only have one book. Some people have only one. I mean, one painting. That'd be weird, but uh, <laughs> you know, some people only have one song. And if if the monitor is what it was, then you, uh, you know, part of this is the hyperbolic reaction. Well, hold on, yeah, hold on. Let's not go hyperbolic reaction the other way right here because yeah. we're we're ripping on this a bit, but. Uh, he got a lot of critical praise for the first album. Yep. The Monitor got a ton. Local Business made a bunch of top ten lists and did very well for him as well. And this one's getting a, getting a bunch of critical mm-hmm. praise as It'll well. It'll make some top he's ten doing, lists. He's doing very oh, well. Oh, I, yeah, I agree. So it's not like, oh, he only had one thing. It's more just like, we don't like it. Quinn used, right, the, no, Quinn used the word victim, and I was going to take issue with that. I don't think he's a victim of... Granting his condition, if he really is bipolar, which he seems to be, I don't think he's a victim of anything okay. on the yeah. ABC scene. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. That was incorrect wording. I think it's just a he's a product right. of it. Yeah. Okay. So you're gonna stream, Paul? What are you gonna do? I'm also gonna stream. I think there's enough interesting stuff on here, uh, and I would encourage people to at least listen to it and form your own opinion because he is trying yeah. something ambition, and and ambition should usually be paid attention to. Yeah. Patrick. 
it's close, but I think I'm. Oh, my friend Dan is gonna kill me. <laughs> I think I gotta go past. Yeah. Okay. Because because I, I know I'm not supposed to talk anymore, but because even the anthemic rock songs I like are sort of ruined with the transition. I've heard them do better versions of that. The only track on here that I've heard that I thought that could go in a mix is Lonely Boy, which maybe they'll end up in a mix, but that doesn't mean I'm going to even stream the whole thing again. Right. So I'm saying pass. Right. Uh, uh, you have a little solidarity here. I'm, I'm also going to pass. Uh, but I, I will say, uh, like I said, the ambition is strong. Uh, I, I'll revisit the monitor. We'll discuss it on GChat, Paul. <laughs> I'm sure we can dissect it because we will. I don't. Did we ever cover that on the podcast? Were we even doing a podcast? Uh, yes, we definitely were. No, we weren't. No, no, I think I think it just popped up in my top ten list, and you were like, Paul, what the hell? Yeah, I don't. I think my <laughs> word, I think my words were a little stronger. Yeah, but what the hell was at the show? Uh, and I wish I knew be true off of uh, Lelouz's second album I believe Weirdo Shrine uh, this album is the one most likely that I would never listen to because produced <laughs> by one Ty Siegel who I think uh, but you know the fact of the matter is Quinn if you recommend something I will check it out yeah you're one of actually like four or five people and a bunch of them are here so uh, check it out sort of dug it a lot they are Seattle Quartet uh, got their start around 2002-2013. Their first album was It's Alive. Uh, according to their presser, they're lucky to be alive. Uh, on touring for that album, they survived a high-speed crash. That's with a tractor-trailer? With a tractor-trailer. Does with, anyone have more details? No. Oh. No. So I'm I'm gonna dig okay. because uh, you know I'm I'm conversant in uh, in uh, life risk. So I'm conversant <laughs> in tractor-trailers. Yeah. So. Yeah. so um, 
Fronted by uh, Sean of Cleveland, I think the lineups change over the past few years. Uh, this album, in particular, they sought inspiration from Charles Burns' uh, Seattle set graphic novel, Black Hole. So now we can do a comic podcast, Paul. All right, we got film and comics in this. That's a really uh, good. That's a maybe fucking maybe fantastic. Maybe you can review uh, Normcore, the uh, band. Well, I want to talk about okay. that at the end, but um, this is—I uh, don't know how many tracks we got on this album here. Uh, you're looking at. Uh, 11 tracks of, uh, what, what, what we say, Quinn? Fuzzy Surf Rock? Surf Rock, got some nice like guitar little jingles in there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so have you seen it's them little, before? I have not. They uh, they played at Comet Ping Pong yeah. back in March, maybe. I think it was like a, a warm-up mm-hmm. for, I'm sure, the ensuing tour that actually I think is probably happening right now. Yeah. Um, but uh, I have not. I would imagine that they're pretty good live. Uh, but I've, I've not seen them live. Okay. But, uh, and really, I was asking if they played your house. <laughs> <laughs> they haven't, no. Um, Yet. Yet. It, it's funny because we... He's going to be a senior, ladies. We, <laughs> uh. <laughs> Possibly would. I don't know. Um, <laughs> uh, so uh, it's funny because uh, we, Patrick, were on the podcast with Carrie, and we talked about a band in North Carolina called Seagulls. Yes. It very much reminded me of this, um, although this is more of the West Coast vibe, so we've got to go West Coast versus Appalachia now, not West Coast, mm-hmm. East Coast, because that beef is taken. Um, as we saw in the NWA. Yeah, as we saw in the NWA thing. Uh, so did you like the seagulls, and then what do you think about this? I like the seagulls for for sure for that song that you played on that podcast. Uh, I I liked this very much. I hadn't heard it until you sent the notice, so it's a short notice podcast. But I've listened to this four five times through. I I like it. I like the vibe. I like the sound. I like the guitar playing. I'm not as much of a Ty Siegel hater. Mm-hmm. I like some of what he does. Um, I like the drumming a lot. Um, I think my only complaint about this is there's not a. I think the songcraft could use a little bump, because mm-hmm. um, it gets a little samey, but like as a general put it on and like chill out album. This is I think I was just like enthralled. I really dug it. So yeah, it's funny. It's like earlier in the year we were fitting stuff into. Uh, Albums like Riley Walker, right. Jessica Pratt, um, moment albums, and I sort of had the same reaction. Although I, I'm honestly down with the sameness of it. You can put yeah, it no, on it kind of works. Right, right, right. Paul, you seem to be. I don't know if you're frowning or if you're. No, I'm not frowning. Wait, before I, he goes, I don't know if surf rock is the right thing. Someone said maybe it was what you said around surf noir because surf yeah. rock, surf, surf rock is about having fun. These songs are not. Yeah, it's a dark about album, having right. fun. And that's kind of what I liked about it. It's a surf rock vibe, but it's very uh, introverted and sort of self-punishing and But I weird. think that's, it kind of reminds me of some of the real old surf rock, not the stuff that we're, yeah, we're right, just thinking right. about, the, the ocean. But like yeah. has that, it, the people who got deep into the psychedelia yeah. did a lot of drugs and yes. not the happy drugs. And some songs the, were written on a bad trip. Yeah. yeah. And so I like it. I mean, it's like like you guys have all said, it's it's got a good vibe to it. I think that's a good... It evokes a mood when you're when mm-hmm. you're listening to it. I don't know that the songs uh, bear close scrutiny all that well. Yeah, it's more just letting yourself roll along with them than rather than trying to analyze mm-hmm. them too much. Uh, I'll be honest, and maybe I just didn't pay enough attention to it. The Charles Burns influence, other than just like the mood, yeah. doesn't come through all that strongly to me. Right. 
Um, it's and, not like the the, mm. uh, the lyricism to it is not evoking. And, and let's be clear that I, I took that from a presser. No, yeah. so did I. So, I, yeah, I, I, was like, I would not have known otherwise. And it was like, mm. so to, like actually explain what black hole is. Um, how do you? Jeez, that's that right there is a podcast in um, in like two sentences. Um, kind of a psychedelic graphic novel having to do with um. Uh, heavy analogs to sexually transmitted diseases yeah. in what is it early 80s late 70s uh, Pacific Northwest black and white really great art um, very worth anybody's and is, time and space and isn't it like you get STD and then like your body parts yeah your body it's like a lot there's a lot of like body horror weird like everybody starts mutating after right. they get the STD sounds great so Quinn have you heard the album before mm-hmm I like the album before, too. So, not to transition, because Kevin is taking care of a cat. The reason I might not have understood the Burns influence is simply that I hadn't heard the previous album. Can you speak to, like, the... the? Because I would like to know as a newcomer. I, I'm i not too familiar. I'm taking over but, the podcast, Kevin. Um, I, I think the first album is, tr- is, a, is just kind of is a little airier, a little more fun. Well, listen to it today. It's, not, it's, it's great. Yeah, it's not, but it, this is a darker album. Uh-huh. Kevin's um, back, everyone. And, and I, <laughs> I think that the 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 darkness or of this album, like the darker psychedelic side, is what makes it interesting and mm-hmm. not just another. Because they're not particularly doing anything new here. I mean, they're like, I think that's the point, right? And they're, but they are they are doing it pretty well. Yeah. Um, and oh well, yeah, we'll play a song. Oh, yeah, I just think I think. Um, where like someone like Ty Ty Siegel Ty Siegel however you say his last name, he uh, he doesn't really make darker music. He makes kind of like fun like you know he he, he can Mr. He can, Face you can't is see kind him of up dark. like that for yeah. me, man. <laughs> he, he 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 deals with he deals with some you know he deals deals with some issues, but he's it's much it's not it isn't brood as it doesn't music brood about like his this. luscious yeah. life. Oh, <laughs> Paul played the note I'm getting so many note cards right now. All right, I so uh, let's play the goddamn song. Let, yeah, let's, <laughs> this is a Black Hole Weirdo Shrine. Uh, Charles Burns and the name of the album. Here we go.
All right, so this black hole uh, weirdo shrine. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I can see like reading that book and listening to this type of stuff, and it's almost like a, uh, a way after the fact soundtrack mm-hmm. <laughs> for that. But that's cool that they. I mean, anytime you obviously artists like are going to be influenced by other things and stuff, but anytime you can like do something that somewhat syncs up instead of just being like. I read this and it has nothing to do with it. It doesn't even fit. Like that's uh, that's a bonus for me, I think. Um, y- with the rest of the songs, I think. Uh, I I I mean, what if they did a ninety-three minute twenty-nine song rock opera? It would sound just like this, but three times as long. Yeah. You think? <laughs> I have no evidence to the contrary. Yeah. So. I think the major point is they wouldn't. Right. I mean, this album clocks in at a tight 32 minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. Which is more in line with, like, like, Titus, like, and Titus Dronicus claims to be, kind of claims to be, like, this, like, like, they have, like, the next legacy of punk music almost. Yeah. But all these punk songs are traditionally very short. Yeah. And I think... A nine minute. Like, no, but you like could, I'm looking around. There uh, are no more nope cards. Can I say something like, I mean, is this the new punk? No. Uh, I mean, hold on, wait. No since there's no, no 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 more note cards, then I can draw I can draw the comp that I want, which is it's been done already. Well, David comes to life. Fucked yep. up. That yeah. was that was That's stretching the idea of yeah, the punk it. rock yeah. opera right there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, no, we we don't want to go back to talking about. <laughs> and the note card gets played. All right. No, he, he was just handing it to me. Yeah. I don't. I don't like conflicts, so I I bequeath my note my note card to. Uh, um. Yeah. I mean, this is. Uh, I'm impressed. I'm I'm, I'm looking uh, to see when they're touring through here. I looked the same thing up today. Nothing. I would nothing love to see up, them. Right? Philly, Philly in late August. Like next week. Next week, Electric Factory. Maybe no, it's smaller. Something else. Some dude's house. Some dude's house. I think Quinn. I think it's Quinn. uh, Bizarro Quinn's house is what it actually says. It's my Philly cousin. Yeah. Above the. uh, It's Quinn, but just he has like a blue face. Above the swamp. No, no. Human reference. (laughs) Above the mesa. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah. I mean, it's just this is it's just a it's. I don't want to say fun because, like you said, it gets a little dark, but it is a little like it's just refreshing. It's a nice breeze. It's like seagulls. Um, mm-hmm. Seagulls get a little more in directly into uh, the type of stuff I like, like this, which was the Athens scene, yep. like old B 52s, yep. stuff like that. And I'm going to blame Ty Seagull for them for polishing this up. You're going to blame Seagull for the seagulls like sound. Yeah. I get that no, 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 no. Oh, for Seagull for them sorry. avoiding that sound because okay. I th- I, I'd like to hear it a little rougher, but otherwise. Uh, like, there's not a lot to say about it because it's a short album. I mean, this I, album. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. This album, uh, it's like a, it's like a more polished version of the uh, Chastity Belt album. I think that came out a little yeah. while ago. Yeah, um, and it's a good comp. If by I, polished, I hope, I, you mean better? Yeah. Uh, I like the Chastity Belt. I like Chastity Belt. I, I mean, I might subconsciously be making that comparison because it's they're both all women, women-based bands. Right. Sure. Um, but I think it's got kind of those catchy hooks and like those like jangly guitars in both of them uh this one is it might be it, i do like the chess album but this one is pretty damn good too yeah for what it is so let's start with patrick this time oh it, at a minimum a stream at okay. a minimum i don't know that i'm at the buy level mm-hmm. but i would totally go see these ladies play I, I i was listening to it today and thought well how can i see this live 
because I think that the lead uh, guitarist singer is excellent, and I think the drumming is quite strong. How do you think the podcast we were talking about previous podcasts? I think this compares to like uh, Eternal Summers. Same um, vein, same. Like I think it's way better than Eternal Summers. Okay, and that's it, where you it and is I way diverge. better than Eternal Summers. Yeah, because I think that the I'd rather listen to these songs than Eternal Summers. But you okay. and I differ on that. Yeah, so that's yeah, fine. Yeah. But uh, I, I would totally stream the, the heck out of this, and I probably will. And then there'll be a point where if they come through, I'll go. We were saying they played. They're playing Philly. They're doing an East Coast thing, and then they disappear into Europe. It looks like from what I saw today. Iceland. No, more like Germany, but close. Uh, I don't think they're emotional enough to play, uh, or emo enough maybe to play Iceland. But yeah, I just was really surprised. I like the hiss. I like some Ty Siegel stuff, but not nearly as much as you, Quinn. I like Mr. Face. I like some of the yeah. other tracks. But like when I listened to this the last two days, I thought, wow, this is just really solid, well done. Mm-hmm. It's got a great vibe. It's got a great sound. They're taking advantage of the fact that they have a, a nice mix of noise. The songwriting is pretty good. I don't think the song Craft is like an A+. I think that's maybe the next step for them is to really learn how to craft a great song. But everything else about it, I'm totally on board with. Cool. Paul? Yeah, it's a stream for me, too. I think it's a, I think it's a solid album. Um, like I said, it's good for, a, for when you're trying to evoke a certain mood. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't... I would see them coming through, but I don't seem to. I don't have the same burning desire to see them that I think that uh, other folks in this room seem to. Um, it's just, it's solid. I'll be interested to see what they do next. You know, it's worth a stream. Yeah. Quinn, generally agree. Uh, I'd probably buy it. All right. Um, I think it'd be it sound good on wax too. Yeah. Uh, but I would buy it directly from the band and not uh, their label. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, maybe when they come, well, we're gonna on, open that can of worms. <laughs> maybe when they come through on tour. So, yeah. Yeah. can you buy it on cassette? <laughs> yeah, Burger Records put out their cassette. Jesus Christ! Okay, um, I think Harley Art or whatever that sub pop imprint uh-huh. is put out the uh, record, the LP. Can I add that the older I get, stream is actually like a pretty good review. Like if I say I'm going to stream something past the fact that I've listened to it between three and ten times to prepare for this show, and I say I'm going to stream it again, that's actually a compliment. Yeah, actually, Paul Vaudreau. Can, uh, can we talk about that? Yeah, well, Paul, Paul uh, from Hometown Sounds has actually said uh, maybe you should qualify uh, the buy with how you're going to buy it. Like if you're going right. to buy it as a digital file or an album and stuff, and he held right. up actually the Beauty Pill album as of a absolutely essential like piece of vinyl that you need to own. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, it... <clears throat> If, because we've talked about this, and there's, I mean, I don't know if there, I mean, we could, we could change past to nope. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nope. Card. Yeah, I mean, look, it's, when you've only got three ratings, you're going to see a lot of the, the mushy middle. I mean, we, we yeah. tend to, at least I, I tend to default to the stream because it's like, unless an album is just bad and I don't want to listen right. to it, it's like, okay, it's a stream. And if it's really good, right. then it's a buy. Yeah. So, and we don't know, like, maybe some people, like, Three people like prefer your opinion, Paul. But but wait, Listen, wait that would wait. be like eighty percent of right. our uh, podcast <laughs> yeah, right, listeners. Right. Wait, but 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 wait, time out. But to say I'm going to stream it again, who cares? To say that I'm going to stream it, pick three or four tracks out, put them on a mix, put them in my best of this, this, and that. That's a different thing. You might never buy uh, the Titus Andronis. Andronicus album. You might never buy the um, 
uh, what was the Carrie Brownstein thing again? Sleater Sleater King. King. <laughs> you probably bought that, but yeah. but you might not. <laughs> there are people out there who might not buy it, who really like it, and might stream the crap out of it. Right. But the point is, that's how we listen to music now. Unfortunately, right. like the albums I buy are the things I'm like, I want to put this in my coffin. At this point, like, yeah, but I'm you're like, being you're being way too literal about it. Man. I'm being, you're too being literal. way too lawyer. About I'm being this. too literal. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> and I've overthought everything. You're talking about. But but the point is, like, what does it mean to stream something? It's so easy, and yet it has meaning. But it also like it's about now. It's about how many times would you stream it? So maybe the new rating is, uh, like, I'm just talking out loud. Obviously, yeah, yeah. pass stream once. Uh, stream 10 times mm. because if I were going to go well, through this that is what, this is what if we I were to do the Stickles album 10 times I'd probably be suicidal by the end of the yeah. 10 well th- this is that's what I'm saying this is uh, uh, you know we're, we're always open to feedback here Patrick and, uh, and no we are um, but uh, the hope is how do is, you think I ended up on this I goddamn know. podcast <laughs> the, the, the hope is is that people will listen to it and get the context of what we're talking about so if they see Paul says a stream they've listened to like an episode two or I don't know nine hundred and six. That's our newest right. metric. So and know sort of what Paul they know what you're gonna say and they know your taste and stuff and so they're gonna like look for that and then pick that out. That that is the hope of the product mm-hmm. we create. Uh, whether or not that's true, you know? if you start getting into more details, therein that way lies uh, pitchfork. It's basically, yeah, but, but, it's basically but, our way but, of titillating all 11 of our listeners. <laughs> but and I just wanted to say titillating for a second time because that's a gross word. Almost wait, as gross as moist. How do you spell titillate? Okay, sorry. So, but you're a film guy. So thumbs up, thumbs down, we can all agree, is just a shitty way to think about movies. Oh, I'm, I'm not going to go into that, but I think that the, that the way that it was used by Siskel and Ebert actually wasn't a bad way because it yeah. was attached mm-hmm. to a half-an-hour TV all right, show. All right, all right, and that, and that was my point. This is attached to sometimes 45 all right, minutes. All right, all right. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If I say I'm going to stream something again, it means I could listen to it one more time on a stream, yeah, yeah. but I might never listen to it again after that. Yeah. And I'm a we're busy people. And other the fact of the matter is, college, the fact which, of the matter is, your fans... Know that? On those I don't think I have. I think you, you might. Any fans? You might. We'll see. But but, uh, uh, but uh, to finish off the the album section here, uh, I I'm actually going to buy it. Oh. I've talked about like the little buckets. This was a bucket I didn't know I had. Uh, and a bucket I want. So I want this album, uh, and I want to put it on from time to time and have it be just like okay, I got this. I'm sure there's probably what thirty bands. Ten of them played your house, Quinn. That have made albums exactly like this, uh, but <laughs> um, two, th- you know, two I joke, but house. that's actually not an exaggeration because uh, you know it's banging over there. Yeah, I haven't been. Yeah. Um, it is this is that is somewhat kind of the area of music we revolve around. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you know, and no offense to those bands, but this is the one that just like caught me. So uh, that is uh, La Luz, uh, this Weirdo Shrine. Uh, all right. All right, so the two albums <coughs> that happened, um, 
as always, we encourage you to not just listen to us, but go listen to them for yourself. Even if I said pass on that, maybe you, yeah, maybe you like Quinn's opinion. Maybe you like uh, Patrick's. Yeah, whatever. Listen to it. Uh, right now, though, we're going to do something that we try to do at the end of all these podcasts. Uh, given that I was just over in Iceland, and I am going to make up words now that we will put in the show notes for the ex- actual places. We were in the town of Sivistjeford, which is not the real town. Sure. Um, and the uh, the pub of uh, Skalala Fjord. What? Mm-hmm. And, and sure. Yeah. Um, there was an one album that we found uh, in in Iceland in our searches. Now, granted, we weren't really looking, but. But, you know, it was there. And there was a sign in English, and it said, if you want to be part of the scene, buy this album. This is by a, a guy I've come to learn his name. It's His name is Prince Polo. Some spell it with one word, some not. The name of the album is Sorry, with an accent over the I. I, <laughs> I think it means the same thing in English. I mean, I, I didn't want to do research on this because I wanted to experience this. And I said to Paul uh, earlier today when I was discussing, like, how we're, what track we're going to do, um, there's a first track on this album that is uh, Falegi Smidurin that's actually pretty good. But us being chunky I know, glasses... I know why you wouldn't drink during the podcast before, Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. how are you going to pronounce that? If well, I, I mean, I just make it up. So, I mean, and we've established that. And the there's a song on there called Cosmos. And I think this being chunky glasses, the Cosmos, you know, the glasses or whatever, uh, this is what we got to do. So... This is uh, Prince Polo off his album Surrey. Uh, this is Cosmos.
Just follow. Uh, check out the album. Uh, it is on audio. It is on iTunes right now. Uh, that is a little more spacey. And not uh, actually, I wouldn't expect that of Icelandic music. You said uh, in the break, uh, DC's own Stronger Sex did an Icelandic tour. So I need I need to talk to Mr. Fantastic. Yeah, give him a give him a shout. Um, I'm pretty sure him or Eric, who's the other dude, speaks Icelandic. Um, they did like a a, a week tour mm-hmm. there. Um, and I remember asking, I was like, "Did you play with any cool local bands?" And he was like, "Oh, we, it was just it, it's not like here. It's just like we just played alone every night." Hmm. Yeah. So yeah, um, which is kind of cool. I yeah, w- I would totally go just see one band. That sounds actually pretty nice. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like the landmark oh, festival. Quinn, you're getting old. Damn it! Yeah. Yeah. in one band. <laughs> um, so that is about our podcast for this week. Uh, coming up in the next few weeks, uh, this Saturday actually, going to be taping. Mary McLaughlin and Ethan Foot are going to be down here, talking about her new album Spirit House. Uh, Jimmy Rhodes. I'm going to be emailing you to uh, to schedule a new one because we didn't get it done before that. Uh, Sleepwalkers, you bailed on me, but you're coming back here in a few weeks, so you know, give me a call. Uh, got some good interviews. Got hey, what albums are coming out that we got? It's August. It's kind of a dead so, zone. So dead zone. So maybe it'll just be all interviews, or maybe it'll just be like maybe the film podcast will take over. Uh, future, future birds. Future birds. Future birds. Future yeah, birds. they're coming through. Um, I'm going to see that. When is that? Uh, they're here October 10th I feel like the album comes out in very late September yeah there's also a well the Kurt Vile album and he's coming through on the 8th it's out it leaked uh, or at least or something yeah yeah I don't know we'll be talking about that but I haven't <laughs> heard it yet we got, so we got Beach House to talk about I don't too. know we'll be talking about that but um, Paul's favorite band Waxahachie opening for Kurt Vile so, oh well know, so maybe, maybe we'll be talking about the show I don't know uh, anyways <laughs> it's, it's the fall it's gonna be it's hot in the basement right now it's gonna be a little cooler because we can open the windows then should be all good so uh, thank you guys for uh, coming down uh, until next week you know be good to your ears and be better to your people and we'll talk to you in about seven days No, 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 no,